0: You're listening to a live service from Faith Worship Center, Portia, Arkansas. Will you turn with me this morning to the book of 1 Samuel? 1 Samuel chapter number 30. 1 Samuel chapter 30, I'm cutting right in the middle of this, or at the end of this story, but there's no way we can go back and read a few chapters here. But I am going to recap a little bit. 1 Samuel chapter number 30, we're going to read verses 1 through 6. I apologize if I mispronounce a couple of these words uh, in this text this morning, but I will do my best. And it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south, and Ziklag had smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire, and had taken the women captives and, and were therein. They slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire. And their wives and their sons and their daughters were all taken captives. I want you to think about this story this morning. Their wives, his sons, his daughters, everything is gone. And David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice, and they wept until they had no more power to weep. It was a sorrowful time, and David's two wives were taken captives: Ahinoam, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the wife of Nabal, the Carmelite. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because, of the, because the soul of all of the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Amen. I just got to read that verse 6 again. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his son and his daughters. But David encouraged himself in, his, in the Lord his God. And this morning, I, I, it's unlike me to preach in regards to maybe the, the platform that I'm going to preach or the angle that I'm coming from. But I'm going to do a little recapping. I feel I'd be wrong if I went somewhere else, but it's a very simple message, a thought that the Lord had dropped in my spirit earlier this week. Not where I directly intended to be at today, but a thought that I feel that that we need to look at today, and it's simply this deceived and distracted. Deceived and distracted. How many knows the enemy's working overtime today to deceive the people and to distract us? Amen? But if we keep our eyes on Jesus. Everything is going to be all right. Amen? Deceived and distracted. Will you bow your head and help me pray today that God would help us to minister? Father, we love you today, God, and we thank you for your grace and for your mercy and your love. We thank you for the opportunity to be in your house today and for your presence that we've already sensed that we've already felt here today. God, I ask that you would open our ears, Lord, that we might hear your word properly. Our hearts, God, that we would be open to receive your word and anoint my lips, God, to deliver this already anointed word. I'm asking you, Lord, to do something that I cannot do and that is to move upon the hearts of your people today, every individual, every family that is represented here today, Lord, and I pray that you would anoint my lips to rightly divide, and I'll be very careful to give you all of the praise, all of the glory, and all of the honor in the name of Jesus Christ, and everybody says, amen. I want to simply, it's going to be a simple message today, but I want to simply begin by saying, every day, especially in the hour and the things that we have going on in our world, things that we never imagined that we would ever see, can sit and talk to people, and I... I know in one of my devotionals I may mention we're seeing things today that 10 years ago if you were told me that it was going to happen in 2021 or 5 years ago. Or let me just be blunt and say 3 years ago I would have thought you were crazy. But we're seeing things today that is quickly coming uh, into our world that is transpiring that is uh, things that, that, are, that are not appealing to us. It's not things that we are wanting to accept. And, and we're watching our nation change. We're watching uh, as, uh, well, everything around us, everything that about us is, is changing. And, and uh, it's not changing. Change is all right if it's changed for the good. But the things that we're seeing is not changing for good. And so uh, things that we're watching and transpiring is, is things that I would have never imagined three years ago. And saying that, I want to say this, in the midst of all of the chaos, in the midst of all of the trouble, I for one, I know I, I pastor the greatest church in the world, but I want to tell you this, before I'm a pastor, I'm a believer. And I'm a believer because I have a one-on-one relationship with Jesus Christ. So I want to tell you this morning that I am, in the midst of all of the trouble, I am more thankful today for my relationship with Jesus Christ than what I have ever been. I'm thankful that I serve a God that is faithful to me, a God that has not ever left me nor forsaken me, a God that has never thrown me away. And I want to tell you, I've not messed up just once or twice or three times, to be blunt. I don't have enough fingers and toes to count all the times that I've messed up. But God has never pulled His hand away from me. He has said my hand is stretched out to you." I want you to know that we serve a God that loves His people and that cares about His people and refuses to throw you away. I'm thankful for my relationship with God. I'm thankful that He loved me while I was yet in sin. I was filthy. I was worthless. I was an outcast. I was good for nothing. And He still loved me anyway. A lost cause, but He refused to give up on me. He willingly... He willingly, I know some of the church will preach it as a, as it was a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not a sacrifice, but an execution some of the church will preach it as an execution the sacrifice of Christ was not an execution he wouldn't have went to the cross unless he willingly went he wouldn't have went by the whipping post unless he allowed them to do it he said no man takes my life unless I lay it down you will not touch my life I want you to know he shed his blood because he wanted to he died because he wanted to he was beaten because he was wanting to he did all of this to bring you in relationship because that's what he wanted to do. Uh, they didn't take His life. He gave His life for us. The Lord. I'm thankful for that this morning. What Jesus accomplished on the cross of Calvary is sufficient. This is my favorite part of being a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ, is that I can tell you that what Jesus done on the cross of Calvary is sufficient for anybody and everybody. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how lonely. I don't care how rotten. I don't care how many years you spend spent in the penitentiary. And yes, I've had to look at them in the face as they look down on me and ask me, do you really believe that? Uh, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. I really believe it. Or I'll put my Bible away today and I'll never preach again. I I don't care what you've come from. God loves you uh, too much to throw you away. And He's here to save the lost from their sins. And yes, that means the adulterer. Yes, that means the fornicator. Yes, that means the pedophile. Yes, that means the drug addict. Yes, that means the alcoholic. Yes, that means the liar. Yes, that means the good old boy or the good old gal. I don't care who you are. God loves you today. God loves you today. He loves you enough that He wants a one-on-one relationship with you. Just you and Him. And a one-on-one relationship. My Lord, I feel that in my spirit. As a pastor, I have no greater responsibility... And being sensitive to the Lord and allowing the Lord to work through me. Use me as a vessel. What an honor. And to encourage people to have a one-on-one proper relationship with God. I'm not leading you this morning to a relationship with this church. I'm not leading you into a relationship with the denomination. I'm just trying to point you to Christ. If I don't point you to Jesus, I haven't done my job. We have to point people to Jesus to encourage a proper relationship with the Lord. And sometimes, I promise I haven't given you a title and left it. I'm going to come back to it. And sometimes in doing that in regards to a relationship with the Lord, I encourage, I lay out doctrine. We look at correct doctrine. and correct doctrine being what Jesus accomplished on the cross of Calvary. We preach and we teach grace and faith. You will not get law and legalism here. You won't get law and legalism here. It's not about what you do. It's about what you believe. And if you believe right, you're going to do right. So we preach and we teach grace and faith. I have to teach and lay out doctrine. I have to teach. I have to present the love of Jesus Christ. And I have to sometimes correct things. But I want you to know. I've never stood up here, and I can say this before the Lord, and I'll give an account. I've never stood up here and corrected something that God hadn't took me behind the woodshed first and corrected me and find myself repenting. You ever just read something? Me and Brother West talk about it at times. I read something, and if it makes me repent, I'll call him. I want you to read this. Man, why did you call me and want me to read that? Now i got to go repent. I said, yeah, I know. It's good, ain't it? (laughs) I got to go repent. It read something and the Lord just brings you to a place that you have to repent. Sometimes correction is necessary. But ultimately, whether it's doctrine or teaching or encouraging you or giving you correction, it's all to benefit our relationship with Jesus. Everybody understand that? I want you to understand. I want to give you something you can take home. All of it is to benefit and to encourage or to build up edify our faith in christ and what he did for us on the cross of calvary now my calling the calling of any pastor is not to condemn if jesus didn't come to condemn people then i don't think we need to be condemning people now if the holy spirit convicts he convicts you but i'm not here to condemn you he said i didn't come to condemn you of sin we're condemned already all of us had already fallen and come short of the glory of God. Right. So we were condemned already, so I'm not here to condemn. But if the Holy Spirit convicts us, well, that's a good thing. Sometimes, he needs, often he needs to convict us to help us in our relationship with the Lord. I was trying to explain this to a man one time I was teaching at the Agape House and I was trying to explain the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. How that he's like a voice. He is a voice in your heart. He's directing you, telling you what's wrong in your life, telling you what's righteous between you and God. Thank God for that. Nobody wants to write up here on the wall everything that they've got going on in their heart. We may have some volunteers this morning. Kind of quiet today. Nobody wants to give all of their thoughts they had for yesterday few of us don't. But I was telling him about the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. And he said, oh, is that what he's doing? He said, because, man, I've been doing a lot of repenting. I said, well, if you're going to be a good Christian, you better learn how to repent. And he said, he does it so much, though, I feel like I need to pay him. So he's not looking for your money. He's just looking for you to come and say, Jesus, I'm sorry. And forgive me for what I've done and change that in me. Because the evidence of salvation is that we should be being changed. But I'm here to caution this morning. Is that okay? I just want to caution us this morning. Caution this body, the body of Christ, to keep our eyes upon Jesus Christ. Because there's a lot of deception in this world and there's a lot of distractions. And I want you to know that I don't care who you are. I don't care how long that you've known God or how long that you've been in relationship with God. None of us, I said us because I'm cutting at the front of the line, is above being distracted by the enemy. The enemy of our soul will stop at nothing. He will stop at nothing to deceive us. I love Hebrews 12 and 1 where he says, Lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily besets us. The writer here, and run with patience, the race that is before us, the writer here is just trying to get us to understand, though that we're in a race... The picture in the original text is as a race and a marathon and I've got a lot of people beside me and I'm competing with people and I'm trying to beat them. And the original text brings us back to a picture when it says run with race. Yes, he said we're in a race. But don't be, uh, don't let these things beset you. Or in other words, those that are around you that are becoming a distraction, forget that they're there and just run with patience. Because it doesn't matter. You're not trying to beat somebody. All you're trying to do is finish. And if you finish, you've won your race. So he says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily besets us. And let us run with patience the race that is before us. And I thought, it means to not compete, just to finish that race. But I want to take you back this morning, just for a few moments, to the example of David. And bring out some truths along the way just to encourage us and to caution us today about some things that we read about in the life of David. David is a good example because David, his calling and his anointing, he is known as a man that was after God's own heart. And David, at a, a young age, was called and he was anointed of the Lord. He is today and will forever be known as the greatest king that Israel will ever have. David is, let me tell you this, David is a man of God if there ever was a man of God. He loved God. And his desire, though he wavered sometimes, his number one desire was to please the Lord. There was nothing in David that wanted to fail God. We look at David and we understand that if David could be deceived and David could be distracted. I want you to know, I'll I'll not, I'll not include you, but I'll include myself. But if David could be deceived and distracted, Steve Alexander can be deceived and distracted. And it's important for me. Look, I know people that used to serve God faithfully. And I know I've said this before. Pastors that have preached and people got saved under their ministry. And today they are deceived and distracted. They are out into the world no longer looking to Christ. Church, I want to just forewarn you. Let us not think more highly than what we should. Because all of us are subject to the tricks and the deception of the enemy. All of us are. And so David was deceived and he's distracted and nobody is above that. He begins and he comes onto the scene. We read about it when he was anointed as king. Samuel, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time because I'm going back a few chapters and I have too many details to cover, but Samuel was commanded by the Lord, go to the house of Jesse and there's a, one of his sons I'm going to anoint as king. He goes to the house of Jesse and Jesse brings all of his sons in except for David. He brings them all before him, and something I didn't catch in Scripture until last time I read it, but he brings them all before him, and, and the Lord says, none of these have I chosen, and Samuel said, Jesse, the Lord told me no on all of them, and Jesse, and I'm putting it in my own words, says, are you sure? Let me line them up and bring them through here again. You look at them one more time. So he brings them through the second time, and as he ushers them through the second time, the Lord, here's something that you may catch you off guard, but God didn't make a mistake in the beginning. He didn't make a mistake. And he ushered them through the, the second time. And God said, Samuel, no, none of them are the one I've chosen. Samuel said, Jesse, you sure you don't got any more? Well, I've got one more. Little boy's out watching the sheep, but it's just a little ruddy. Boy, let me say it like this. David, in his home, he was voted least likely to succeed. He at least likely to succeed. Now, I know what that's like. If you would have asked my dad... A few, well, before I started pastoring, if you would have asked my dad, I got two brothers, which one of your boys is the least likely to ever preach? Hands down, he would have said, amen. amen. There we go. <laughs> Hands down. In regards to preaching or presenting the gospel, I was voted least likely to succeed. So I know what David's talking about here. Samuel didn't, or Jesse didn't even put him in the lineup. Why waste our time? And they go get him, and as soon as they brought him in, God said, that's him. That's the one that I have called as king. He said, get up, Samuel. Open up the horn of oil and anoint him, for he shall be the next king of Israel. And he did, and the anointing of the Lord, the spirit of the Lord came upon him from that moment on. And David began to be, be somebody that the Lord would work through immediately. He goes to the camp where they are, the Philistines and his brothers are, Jesse said, go check on your brothers. On his way to camp, he hears somebody hollering, screaming. And then when it got a little plainer, he could hear that they are defying the armies of God. And to do that, they were defying his God. And when he got a little closer and he got into the camp, he said, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that is screaming and hollering and defying the armies of the living God? Well, that's a good Goliath. He's greater than all of them. Well, what are we going to do about that? Well, Saul's looking for somebody to fight him, but there ain't nobody volunteered yet. He said he would give him his daughter to wed, but there still ain't nobody volunteered. David said, I'll fight him. I'll fight him. I'll fight. Went in to Saul, and Saul said, you're not ready. You're just a boy. He said, but I'll fight him. He said, well, let me give you my armor. and uh, He put his armor on, and he took it off. I haven't proved these things. But, but David, you don't understand. and But Saul, you don't understand. See I was watching the sheep one day and a lion came and with my bare hands I ripped him in half. I was watching another day and a bear came and took a baby lamb had it in his mouth and I took him by the beard and took the baby lamb out and I want you to know Saul I couldn't do that on my own but the spirit of the living God came upon me uh, and that same spirit will be upon me when I face Goliath this day. I will bring back his head. Save it. Saul said I bid you to go. And he went. And this is what he done. He went down into the brook, got him five smooth stones. He took his staff with him, which was the type of the Word of God. See, if you take your staff with you, the Word of God, and you go to the brook, which was a type of the Holy Spirit, do you know what's going to be provided for you? Five smooth stones. The number five is God's number for grace. If you look in the Word of God and the Holy Spirit begins to move upon you, He's going to bring you to grace. Because there is no other way that we can live for God. Without the grace of God, we're all hopeless. And he comes back, I don't mean to, to dismantle the story, but he faces Goliath. He come to me with a spear and a sword, but I'm going to come to you in the name of the Lord. He slung the stone and hit him in the forehead. He picked up the sword of Goliath, chopped his head off, and he came back up the hill. Look here looky here, looky here. And they all began to shout with a great shout and they chased after the Philistine army and consumed every single one of them. This is what David did. This is what David did. Everybody was excited. Everybody was happy. Everybody was looking and saying, yes, the Spirit of the Lord is in the camp because He rests upon the shoulders of David. But there was one man sitting back in the corner That was looking at this and he wasn't happy. And that man's name was Saul. Because Saul was thinking I ought to be the one. It took Goliath. But he wasn't sure about his relationship with God, the Spirit of the Lord. And he sat back and he got angry. Saul said, i tell you what. I'll give you my daughter. But I want you to bring back a hundred foreskins of the Philistines. David said, okay. He went out and he brought back 200. He said, I don't got just 100, that's all. I got 200. The Spirit of the Lord was working through him. Let me tell you something. God is always able to do more through us than what we can do on our own. He brought back 200 foreskins. And Saul had already married off the one daughter that he promised. And he gave him another daughter instead. He deceived him. He lied to him. David went and made a covenant with Saul's son, Jonathan. And Saul got more angry. And here's what we get. All David's doing is trying to work and serve the Lord. And Saul's getting angry and angry. And Saul is being used of the enemy. Didn't really have any recognition until he started being used of the Lord. And then all of a sudden, Saul, jealous and hated him. I want to tell you this. Saul should have been his greatest encourager. Saul should have been the one that was pointing everybody. Look how the Lord is using David. He'll use us the same way. Saul should have been the one in this corner cheering on the anointing and the touch of God upon his life. But the one that should have been his greatest encourager proved to be the one that was trying their hardest to tear him apart. I want you to know... This had not caught some of you off guard. But most of the times when you start to serve the Lord, the one that is supposed to be your greatest encourager will be the one that will try to tear you down the hardest. The enemy will use your family. The enemy will use a former pastor. The enemy will use those that encouraged you in the beginning. But when you start to succeed in the work of God, then all of a sudden those that should have been in your corner is the ones that is trying to destroy you. Yes, let me tell you something, God, the devil will use your enemy, he will use your family. I'm preaching good. He'll use your family. He'll use your closest friends. How many of you experience you come to the Lord and all of a sudden, I don't want to go to the river anymore and do the things that we did. I just don't want to do that. Well, then you're not my friend anymore. They may not have said that, but what happens is they quit calling. I'm preaching good. They quit calling. They quit having anything to do. You ought to thank the Lord for that. God's making it easy to separate unto himself. And all of a sudden, Saul should have been his greatest encourager, but instead he was trying to destroy him. I want to say a couple of things right here, and I'll move on. The moment that we have a relationship with the Lord, we also have a target up on our back. The devil's not happy that you're trying to do right and you're trying to lead your family in the right direction. And he'll he'll stop at nothing to try to destroy us. The enemy of our soul will use anything and everything to discourage. And let me tell you this. All of us are created different. Amen. All of us are created different. All of us have things that will pull at us more than what somebody else will Have a pull with them. Come on. You can lay out any type of drugs that you want to in front of me. I don't even know what it is. Literally. I don't. I have. I couldn't. I just don't know. Thank God for that. But there's other things that pulls at my heart that may not be a pull for you. Well, what are they? That ain't. That's between me and the Lord. That's between me and Jesus. Like the guy that started to do our parking lot. He said, I, I don't I don't look. I'm gonna do as you as right as what I can. I don't want to cheat the church because when I get to the judgment seat of Christ, me and Jesus already got enough things we gotta sort through. <laughs> <clears throat> I got some things that I got some things in my heart that I'm still depending upon the Lord to change. I'm not okaying you continuing in sin. Everybody make that clear. We don't continue in sin. Shall we continue in sin? God forbid. Romans 6. But we recognize there's things in our heart that's not pleasing to God. And we say, God, I have this going on. And I know that you're not satisfied with it. And I ask you to forgive me. And I ask you to change this in me. Change them desires. Because we should be being transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. And so... They're most persuasive. The enemy knows what's most persuasive. He's not going to tempt me with drugs. Not a temptation. But he knows what to use. And David found it difficult to be the example that he was called on. Because Saul kept, the the enemy kept using Saul to distract him by attacking him. I want to make this plain. I don't want to uh, move too far and not be plain. But what is going on here is that Saul is being used by the enemy to distract David in his relationship with the Lord. God called David. I'm going to keep stepping on that. God called David to just be an anointed vessel and wait until it's time that he stood up to be king. Before he took the thro- the place or the-, the seat of being a king, he would use the anointing upon his life to draw all of Israel's attention to him. That way the day that he took the throne as king, they would know that we have a king, that the spirit of the Lord resides upon him. What the enemy is doing is trying to stop the attention of the people from knowing that he's a vessel that God would work through before he ever takes his seat as king. Is that clear as mud? And so, Saul is using and he's distracting David. He's, he's already lying to him. He's deceiving him. And we get to, we move on. I'm going to try to move along in this. But David and Jonathan made a covenant with each other. When they made a covenant with each other, Saul hated him for it. His hatred grew stronger. Saul promised David one of his daughters. He lied to him. Gave him a different daughter instead. David was distracted. What's going on here? I'm just trying to serve the Lord. And the one that's supposed to be encouraging me is doing everything he can to destroy my walk with God. And Saul don't quit. Saul asked Jonathan and his servants. He said, I want you to seek out David. I want you to kill him. Jonathan, but dad. He's got the touch of the Lord upon his life. I want him dead. I can't do that, Dad. The Lord is using him in a great way. Let me bring him to you. And let's talk this thing out. And Saul says, okay. He brings him to him. And then Saul, one more time, he apologizes. He said, I'm sorry. And I'll stop. But he was lying to him. Because he wanted to look good in front of his son. He deceived him one more time. David plays the harp for Saul later on. And while he's playing the harp, Saul jumps up with a javelin, throws it at him to take his life. David runs. He's running. He's got fear that it's pushing him. He's distracted from what he's supposed to be doing. And he keeps going further and further away from his stand with the Lord. All of a sudden, it continues on. Saul sends messengers to David's house Go on to his house. He's married to my daughter. They're not going to ask questions. And when you get there, I want you to kill him. He goes. His wife knows what's up. Says, David, you got to get out. you got to escape out the window. So David, again, fleeing for his life. Do you get the picture? He's running and he's running and he's running and he's running. And David runs to Gath. And God never told him to go to Gath. He stays. He's supposed to stay exactly where he's at. He runs to Gath. Then he runs to the cave of Adullam. Ultimately, to Ziklag, where our text is. And he gave and he made an alliance with the enemy because they gave him Ziklag. The word Ziklag means a fortress. It's a place of comfort. It's a place of peace. See, David had run so far away from Saul that he felt like that he was relieved from his responsibilities as the anointed one that was supposed to be king. He was torn before. I either stay and I fight or I run and I hide. So he ran and he hid from the presence of the Lord. And what we learn here is, I want to stop and clear some thoughts. Yes, David is having to trust the Lord in Israel. Yes, David is being attacked while he's in God's will. Yes, David thought it would be a good idea to run because the attacks became such a distraction. He was being deceived and distracted. He's no longer diligent about his fight of faith. Here's what I want to bring out two important truths. Running from the Lord didn't help anything. I'm preaching good there. Running from God didn't help anything. Running from God didn't help anything. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. Running from the Lord will not help you. Guess what Saul did? He found out he was in Ziklag, and he came to Ziklag. The reason is was because the enemy is not satisfied just pushing you off to a place where you're no longer in the will of God. Listen, listen, listen. He wants to destroy us. That's an important truth I want you to understand. Running is not going to help you. The second thing that I want you to understand this morning is that every attack from the enemy while he was standing in faith believing in Israel every single one of them resulted in failure. Saul deceived him, but God had his hand upon him. Saul sent messengers, but God had his hand upon him. Saul tried to throw a javelin, but uh, but God had his hand upon him. Saul ran after him, had messengers sent, but God had his hand upon him. I know the attacks keep coming. I know the attacks seem to get greater and greater and greater. But stop with me for just a minute and look back in your life. God has never failed you. God has never forsaken you every result of the enemy will end in failure if you keep your faith in Christ and what he did for you on the cross if we could only learn that through every attack that was tried to distract us and push us out of the will of God God remained faithful he never left us he never left us I think about the song that Kirsty sang a couple of times lately I'm going to butcher it but I'm going to get a couple of high parts And he said, she talks about the story I'll tell. All in all, my God did not fail me. I'll talk about, I'll tell about the waters I crossed. I'll talk about the waves that I went through. Because all in all, God did not fail me. I want you to know this morning. No, I don't know most of you individually and I don't know what you've gone through. But I can tell you this morning by looking out across this congregation, you're still here. You're still breathing. You came this morning because you wanted to be here. We do exactly what we want to do. The devil's not destroyed you yet. You may be distracted. You may be deceived. You may even be running. But I come to tell you this morning, you're still here. And God still loves you. And God can still restore you this morning. Every attack ended in failure. Now he's in Ziklag. Now I'm finally at our text. I don't know how long I've been preaching, but now that was my introduction. I'm playing. He's at Ziklag. He made alliance with the Philistines, the greatest enemy of Israel. He made an alliance with them. I'll fight for you. See how far? That's what I'm. You see how far he went? The old saying, "Sin will take you farther than you want to go, and keep you longer." Than what you want to stay in, it'll cost you more than what you're willing to pay. It's so true, it rings true every single time. The devil don't do it overnight. You don't wake up, you don't, you're not faithful to God, being a part of the work of God, and wake up the next day deep in sin. It's a little by little he deceives us and distracts us. Here's what David did. David led his. I'm going, I'm gonna I'm get a little sharp, but not too bad. Buckle up just a second, men. Not only did David go to Ziklag and make alliance with his Philistines, he led his family. He led his family. He took his wives and his children and led them right down there to make an alliance with the enemy. (laughs) If there was ever a time, Brother Junior, that our men need to make a stand for our family, Well, my spouse ain't following me. It's not your job to make her follow. It's your job to lead. Well, she continues to ignore. It's your job to lead. She's not ignoring you. She may be playing like she's ignoring, but she's not not ignoring. Listen, if there was ever a time that we need to be diligent about our work with God for our home and for our children, our children, our young people that the world is trying to get right now, then today is the day that we need to be diligent about that work and lead our family. He led his family right into the hands of the enemy. Out of the will of God. He left. He came back and he found Ziklag burned to the ground. His wives was gone. His children was gone. I can imagine maybe they, I don't know, but maybe they, this is from the book of Steve, but maybe they walked around and looked. They probably hollered for their wives and hollered for their children looking for them. Desperate. Nobody was around. The place was burned to the ground. And when they walked through there and finally gathered back up, the Bible says they wept sore. They wept till they couldn't weep anymore. They cried. They were so broken. They were so broken and they wept so much that they absolutely could not weep anymore. In other words, it was a sorrow of sorrows. A sorrow of sorrows. David had two things going on here, I believe. Book of Steve, but I believe that not only David had the sorrow of losing his wives and children, but I believe he was dealing with the sorrow of it was his fault that he led his children and his family right down there in the hands of the enemy. Men, that's something we don't want to do. We don't want to wake up and think, oh, my goodness, I'm the one that led my family here, my home here. We don't want that. They wept sore. All of his goods, his possessions was gone. The Bible says in verse number 6, we're going to bring it back up. Just verse 6, please. David. He was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him. They were putting the blame on him also. Because the soul of all of the people was grieved. They were broke. Every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David had to get away from all of that. He had to get away from it. And encourage himself in the Lord. That literally means... But David got by himself, and he repented. He realized what he'd done, and he hit his knees, and he said, My God, <laughs> forgive me for what I've done. I'm sorry, for now I see the sorrow, and now I see that I should have stayed. David's probably realizing it would have been better for him to die at the hands of Saul than to bring his family and his friends to the mercy of the enemy. He repented he came back to the Lord and while, while Saul was attacking him, God protected him. But when he allowed these attacks to distract him, he lost sight of the Lord. He quit his fight of faith. He found himself at a great loss, the mercy of the enemy. Church, I've said a mouthful already, but I've said that to say this. I've never seen a day when there is so many distractions To the believer, to the individual believer, not just the individual believer, but on a worldwide platform, there's distractions all around us. We must be careful not to be deceived and distracted by the chaos of this world. Whatever the enemy is using to take you out of your fight of faith, whatever the enemy is using, I I say this with the right intent of my heart and trying to be kind. But your career is not more important than your relationship with God. A career is not going to get us to heaven. Our job, our work is not more important than our relationship with Christ. Our family, whoa, yes. Our family is not more important than our relationship with the Lord. Whatever it is that the enemy uses to distract we're so easily distracted, you hadn't done it today, but we're so easily distracted that a pretty day can keep us out of the house of the Lord. I'm not preaching law and legalism, I'm preaching priority. He can consume us, and fighting in our home, we get to fighting in our home, we get to fighting in our marriage, we get to fighting with our job, watch this, you know what's happening? What's happening? He's taken us out of the fight of faith and getting us involved in another fight. And before we know it, our fight that we're consumed in, that we don't need to be consumed by, is so great that we forget about the fight of faith. He's deceiving and He's distracting. And if we're not careful, He will consume us. I just came to tell you this morning that with all of the chaos going on in the world, We've got chaos going on in Afghanistan. We've got chaos going on all around us. But with all of it in Afghanistan, keep your eyes upon Jesus Christ. The world is trying to get us to fight about a vaccine, about a shot. Listen, we've got greater things to worry about. Keep your eyes upon Jesus Christ. Uh, With everything that is going on, uh, the problems uh, in our home, the problems in our life, keep your eyes upon Jesus Christ. Uh, The discouragement from those that should be encouraging you. Listen, turn your eyes upon Jesus Christ and do not be deceived and distracted by the things that the enemy would use. There's nothing more important than our relationship with Jesus. Nothing more important than our relationship with the Lord. And I want to say this. I want you to look at verses. We didn't read it in our text, but he's going to bring it up. Can you bring up 7 and 8? David said to Abiathar, the priest, Ahimelech's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. And Abiathar brought hither the ephod to David. Verse 8, watch this. And David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And the Lord said, and he said to him, Pursue. For thou shalt surely overtake them. And without fail, (laughs) and without fail, and without fail, Recover all. What does that mean? It simply means this. David found himself deceived and distracted. He found himself at a total loss. He repented of the Lord. And after he repented, he asked the Lord another question. Can I pursue? Can I have my? I'm going to say it like this because this is what it meant. When he took back everything that the enemy took, literally he's taking back his standing of who he was. Or in other words, his relationship. And when, the, when he asked the Lord, can I come back, putting in my own words, but do the study, can I come back to where I was at with you in the beginning? Can I just come back to where I was at with you in the beginning? And the Lord said, you better believe you can come. You don't only all have to come back, but I will restore everything the enemy has tried to take from you. Church, I've come to tell you this morning that I don't care who you are and I don't care how long that you've served God. None of us are above being deceived by the enemy. None of us are above being distracted by the enemy and knocked off our feet. None of us are above looking up one day and being in a place that we don't want to be. But I've got good news for you this morning. If you've been deceived and you've been distracted, we still serve a God that is waiting right there with His hands stretched out. And if you'll say, God, forgive me he said I'll forgive you well God can I just come back you can come back can I be back like I was you can be back just exactly like you was can I have my relationship back with you oh I want that relationship back with you he's the God that will forgive you he will save you he will restore you he will bring you back into fellowship because there is no deception there is no distraction too great for the Lord to pull you out out of today, you can come back to the Lord. None of us are above it. But Jesus says, I'm not satisfied. You know what? You know what this tells me? You know where God was, you know where you know where David was at when he repented in Ziklag. You know what Ziklag is? It's the enemy's fortress. David repented. You know what that tells me? When David went to Ziklag, God just followed him down there. I'm just gonna wait. Don't that sometimes when you don't want God to, you know, when you just want to, can I just be blunt and say it? When sometimes you just want a break from the Lord and you want him to quit convicting you, he's not good at that. He's just not good at that. He just follows you down there wherever you're at, tapping on your shoulder. You know you're doing wrong. You know you're doing wrong. You need to come on back. Lord, I'm going to Ziklag. Well, I'm going to Ziklag with you. I don't know how far you went. We serve a God that loves you enough to roll his sleeves up and get all involved in your mess and come down there waiting for the moment that you'll say, God, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Can I come back? Can I pursue? Can I pursue my relationship? Absolutely. You can pursue your relationship. Because that's, that's what he's been waiting on. Would you stand with me this morning? Father, I love you today. I thank you, God, for your grace. My Lord, your grace. Thankful for your mercy, God. And I deserve death. I didn't get what I deserved because I deserved death. You offered me life, and not just life, but life everlasting. God, I call upon you in the name of Jesus. I don't know, God, maybe what is pulling at the hearts and the minds of your people. But what I do know, God, is you're a God that loves and a God that cares. And a God that has not given up on them yet. I ask you in the name of Jesus to just to begin to move upon the hearts of somebody that might be distracted. Somebody that might be deceived. I don't know what they're relationship is with you like but if it's a broken relationship God that's a relationship that you want to repair that you want to fix I call upon you God to do something I can't do that is to mend that relationship I give you praise for it in the name of Jesus with your head bowed and your eyes closed just real quickly I'm not going to spend much time but I just want to ask you this morning. Maybe you're here and you've been deceived or you've been distracted. Got a lot of noise from the world in our ear. I don't know this morning. I'm not here just to focus on that. I'm here to focus upon the fact that the same God that told David, yes, come on back. is the same God that's still alive today saying, yeah. Yeah, I've been waiting for you, son. I've been waiting for you, my daughter. Yes, you could come back. If you're here this morning, you say, my relationship is not what it needs to be. I've let other things be a priority. i let other things cloud my mind, my heart. But what I really want is to have that close relationship with Jesus Christ. If that's you this morning, Would you just slip your hand up and put it right back down? I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to thank you, God, for this hand. Thank you, God, for this hand. Thank you, Lord, for this hand, this hand, this hand. Anybody else, just slip your hand up and right back down, real quickly. Thank you, Jesus, for this hand. Thank you, God, for this hand. Anybody else, thank you, Lord, for that hand. Hands going up everywhere. And this morning... I'm going to ask my men, I just feel like doing that, if they would come already. Join me across the front. We'll make the first step. We're not here to question your salvation. We're not here this morning to ask you what's going on, what's wrong. We're just simply here this morning to pray with you. This morning, If you have raised your hand, I want to give you an opportunity to make your way to an altar. And just to kneel down. This is between you and God. It ain't got to be some elaborate prayer. It's a prayer of saying, God, I've been distracted. And I ask you to forgive me. And I ask you, God, one more time to restore me. Back to my relationship that I have with you in the beginning. Take somebody by the hand, whatever it may be. But if you're here, when the truth is presented, that's the time to apply it to your heart. Hands went up everywhere. Would you come? We're waiting to pray for you. Would you come? Come on, would you come this morning? Come on, would you come? Take your neighbor by the hand. God, that's me. I'm just here because I need my relationship restored. Would you come this morning? Come on, would you come? Visitors, we invite you today. We invite you also to come. Somebody's going to pray with you. We're just here to love on you. We're just here to help our brother and our sister. Can I have some more prayer warriors to come? Help me today. Come on, would you come? You've been distracted. You've been deceived. Now's the time. Now's the time. The Lord's pulling at your heart for a reason. He's pulling at your heart for a reason. Would you come this morning? Come on, would you come? Come on, would you come this morning? Other hands went up. Now's the time. Come on, pursue. And without fail, you shall be restored. As he promised David, he promises you today. Come on, would you come today? Come on, take somebody by the hand and say, come on, come on with me. Come on, would you come today? Come on, people are still coming. Come on, would you come? Teenagers, that's for you too. Come on, would you come? Find a place to pray. Kneel before the Lord. God, forgive me and help me today. Would you come today? Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Come on, would you come? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. All right, I want to ask you to do something. Right where you're standing, I want to ask you to take your neighbor by the hand Lord, I want to ask you to bow your head right where you're at. And amongst yourself, I want you to pray, God, help me today. God, forgive me, and God, help me today. Lord, move upon these people as we're being restored. Come on, will you pray one for another? Whoever you're standing by, will you pray for them today? That the Lord would help us today. Come on, sing. When the darkness so overwhelms you, Father move upon these people today We stand at your mercy But in you're your a merciful God Hallelujah, to the, God. Us, God. Today, Hallelujah to the Lamb of God Help us God Help us today Jesus Hallelujah to the Lamb in of God Restore your people today God Restore your people today God Hallelujah to the Lamb of God if you were blessed by this message, you can find us on Facebook at Faith Worship Center, Porsche, Arkansas. Our contact for prayer or donations is by mail, Faith Worship Center, P.O. Box 296, Porsche, Arkansas, 72457. Through Messenger or PayPal, you can find that link on Facebook also. Thank you and God bless you and your family.